We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest today is Susan Chapman Hughes. She is a proven leader of transformation and innovation. Susan most recently was the EVP GM of Global Digital Capabilities, Transformation, and Operations in the Global Commercial Services, the GCS division of American Express, where she led the digital transformation of customer experience, and drove the use of big data, predictive analysis, and machine learning to power the business go-to strategy. Susan is an operational expert and has served in multiple executive roles, EVP, COO, CAO, leading P&L turnarounds and digital data operational transformations. What I appreciate most about you, Susan, is your collaborative and generous leadership style and that you too are a bridge builder. Welcome to ROG. Thank you. It's great to be here, Shannon. Thanks for having me. Oh, for sure. And we're both grateful to Dion Vernon for connecting us, our mutual yes. friend. Shout out to Dion. Yes. Thank you, <laughs> Dion. Uh, so you are a bridge builder and I want to learn more about how you do that and why you do that. Um, you're an innovative leader and you're very committed to positive transformation. And I think that's a word that's like very closely associated to your brand, like transformation. So how do you help organizations align with their defined vision and mission? You know, it's interesting because a lot of times when organizations are not aligned, it's because of a couple of core things. Uh, One, strategically, they aren't focused and clear on what they're trying to accomplish. Um, Two, People are not um, clear on what their role is in that process. Uh, and three, which is you know something that a lot of organizations really struggle with, is the decision-making framework is unclear. And so if you just take those three things, and so if, you, if you're not clear on like, what are the five or six things we're trying to march towards to build the business? Am I clear on what my role is in that process? And um, who makes the decision as you go through? Then, then organizations really struggle with, you know, chaos, conflict, um, you know, challenges. You set a strategy or you say you want to do something. You don't put in the change management plan to actually make sure everybody knows their role, that you have listening channels so that they understand um, when maybe something that you planned at the beginning is not going to work out. You got to make a change. And they don't have a decision framework in order to help them actually move forward. So, you know, when organizations ask me to come and help, help them, that's usually where I start. Right, which is what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what's the mission, vision of this organization strategically? How does that play out for you? Who's responsible for delivering against this? And you know, do they have clarity in their roles? How do you deal with conflict and decision making? And do you have a real change management plan in place? And you know, I am a people centric uh, leader, right? I mean, some people like, well, I'm a product person and. Now, I'm an ops person and a, yeah, I'm all those things. But I, I think at the beginning and at the end, it starts and ends with the person and the people. And despite the innovations from AI and, you know, I was actually looking at something today and they're like, oh, you know, AI is going to totally disrupt the music industry because 
um, it was a whole stream on voice AI, right? And while technology is moving forward, I still think there's going to be a role for people and people, companies and organizations who want to win and who want to be strategically supportive and do what they need to do have got to have alignment. And, and more and more social issues and business issues are the same thing, right? Uh, and so, you know, having a point of view, knowing when to wait in and when not to wait in and how to engage are all things that are really critical. So that's how I think about it. Um, and that's how I help organizations, you know, move forward to, to be aligned to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. Oh, I love that. And I want to go back to the people-centered approach in a minute. But first, let's let's dig into those other elements first. Like, what are some of the the red flags or the the things that you observe when you're partnering with a client to help you understand that they don't have those things that you just mentioned? Yeah, I mean, so like, you know, uh, I have a client I'm working with right now and, um, you know, the leadership team, you know, they are constantly like tattletailing on each other. And so <laughs> like, you guys, the buck stops with you, number one. And number two, the reason why all this finger pointing is going on is because you're not clear about what you're working towards and people aren't clear about what their role is. And more importantly, you don't have a decision-making framework to say yes or no to something. And so, you know, um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting balance to have leaders who are like really strong IQ leaders. You know, they can manage the data, the strategic stuff, but are balanced with EQ. Like when you see it, you know what, you know it. Right. But when it's like off, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Right. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm glad I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I was uh, giving a speech a couple of weeks ago and just talking about the importance of empathetic leadership for leaders and why, especially today. And given what the world has gone through with COVID and just all the changes or whatever, like being an empathetic leader, like knowing who your people are, really caring about them, leading with, you know, um, understanding versus judgment is so critical. And I said, you know, think about the leaders that you have admired the most in your career. Uh, And what was it about them that made you get really excited about working with them? And I'm like, usually it's because they knew your name. Let's start with the basics. They understood why you came to work every day. They invested in you. They could see things in you that you couldn't see yourself. They wanted you to be successful. So they were rooting for you. They used their gravitas to help you, right? I was like, versus think like the worst leaders you've ever had before. Like, what was it about them that, you know, drove you crazy and why you didn't want to work for them? Usually because it was always about them first. Um, Everything they did, like I had this manager once and everything she did was about how to make her more comfortable with managing the team as opposed to what would help people excel. And, you know, when I called it out and she was just like, I don't like, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. Like literally all your feedback is always about how to make you more comfortable as opposed to how to help me and our, our co coworkers grow. And that's a real problem. Right. And so I think that, you know, people know it when they see it, they vote with their feet. You know, we've heard all these terms where it was like, you know, the quiet quitting. That's my favorite one. Right. Which is like, I'm just not going to give you my best because like you don't care about me and you're not interested in helping me grow and develop. And even when somebody's not performing well, recognizing that instead of just being like, oh, they're terrible, they're not performing well. It's like, well, let me help you find the place where you are better suited, where you can perform well. Right. And it, and so you make a tough decision to take somebody out of a role, but you give them the best of the opportunity to help them navigate to where they need to be. They'll never forget that. Right. But that requires leadership. It requires time and investment. And a lot of leaders are just not willing to do that, you know? And that's unfortunate because particularly in this, you know, Gen Z 
next set of generations, I don't even know what the one after that's going to be called, right? What are the babies going to be after Gen Z's? I don't know. I guess I'll go to AA. But um, <laughs> so, which will be interesting in and of itself. They just have a different way of thinking, right? They want to work to live. They don't want to live to work. And, you know, all of the kind of construct of what we've put in place all of these years, um, they don't care about that. They're not interested in owning homes and being in debt for the rest of their lives. And they're happy to forego lots of things because they're like, look, I want to work for six months, make a lot of money um, so I can go travel for six months. And oh, by the way, while I'm traveling for six months, if I need to do some gig work while I'm there to allow me to eat extra or do whatever, I'm happy to spend two or three days doing that. I mean, the number of people living in vans and cars is actually stunning to me, like by choice. I'm like, you want to live in a van full time? Like, yeah, because they don't, they're not tied to material um, possessions. And so uh, we had better adapt uh, as leaders and as organizations and companies. Because yeah, there'll be some companies where they'll continue to force people to be in the box, but people aren't going to be happy about that and they're not going to be excited about it. Right. So just how do we adapt and grow? And there's a lot in what you just shared there. And I'm just going to Put, put the generosity framework around it because I heard you talk about giving your time, attention, feedback, like you, you know, you talked about giving someone feedback um, and then giving people opportunities and then also being willing to adapt and change yourself and your own expectations. So I think a lot of that um, helps us to see like, what does a generous leader do? So let, let's let's talk about that for a minute. You know, you're a very generous leader. That's one of the things I love about you. You you look for ways to help people learn and grow and you give people opportunities. So how would you describe generous leadership? Um, I mean, I call it empathetic leadership, candidly. Um, I think that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, it doesn't take a lot, right? So it's interesting because people would say to me like, oh, Susan, you're such a great leader. You're so wonderful. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm just doing like, the right thing. This is what you're supposed to do when you are, you know, charged with leading a group of people through something. Um, they are all looking to you for advice, for direction, for um, an example. And so, you know, you have to be thoughtful about, well, how would I want to be treated? I mean, I think it really starts with the golden rule first and foremost, which so many people have just completely forgotten. And I don't even know if they teach it in schools anymore, but I'm like, listen, you treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to be treated well and given opportunities and, you know, have people invest in you and all those kinds of things, then you got to be willing to do that yourself, right? For others. So you, you know, as my mother would say, you got to be the gift that keeps on giving well beyond yourself. You can't just be like, oh, it's all about me. And so F the rest of y'all, I'm going to just do what I'm going to do. Number two, it means that, you know, you have to be willing to stretch yourself for growth. And so um, being coachable mm-hmm. is not easy. So I don't want to say this like people are like, oh, yeah, you should just be more coachable. Because I mean, like, listen, when you get tough feedback, that's true. It's hard sometimes. Like you first, you got to be like, you first like, what? Oh my goodness. I'm not doing well at that because everything around you tells you like, you got to be perfect and doing well all the time. That's also just bad, right? But you have to be coachable as well if you want to coach others. Because the more senior you get, the more people put you on a pedestal, mm. right? And so we see this all the time where leaders fall into the emperors have, you know, the emperor has no clothes, right? Mm. You know, it's like, oh, well, how in the world did he not see that coming? It's like, well, he didn't see it coming because he wasn't paying attention and he hadn't built the right kind of relationships with the people where they would give him a heads up and help mm. him understand. And when you are managing thousands of people, you can't be in a bubble around what that is. And so, you know, one of the practices that I would always do is, 
ask my team for feedback as much as I was willing to give Mm -hmm. them feedback. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people, it's something you have to earn your right to Mm -hmm. because people, you know, if they don't trust you or they don't really know you that well and you say, oh, you know, it's really great. Let me give you your feedback. And by the way, can you give me Mm -hmm. feedback? And they're like, well, I don't know what you're going to do with that. You're going, you know, what happened? You're going to hold this against me. You're going to like, what is that going to be? And so um, being an authentic leader also is part of being a generous leader, if you will. Because, you know, um, another thing I was sharing with the group last week, which Mm -hmm. is two critical elements for a truly empathetic leader, right? Um, One is authenticity. So are you the consistently yourself, right? Uh, And the second one is, um, are you trustworthy? So can you be trusted? And and so because people Mm -hmm. are looking at you to say, okay, I when I see Susan on Monday in the office and then I see her on Saturday at the tennis mm-hmm. place with her daughter, is she the same person, right? Does she recognize me? If I speak to her, will she engage in the same way that she would in the office? Um, and have I built a level of trust with her, which means that, you know, if she's more senior, you got to do more work mm-hmm. to, to build trust with people. I think the other third element as I'm talking about this is around just being authentic, right? Um, mm-hmm. And vulnerable, that's another piece of being a generous leader. Um, you know, we, when we talk about building leaders, growing leaders, doing, you know, helping them be all that they can be, the worst thing in the world you could do is only show them the good parts, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and think about um, how many leaders have you had where the culture of the organization has said to them, you mm-hmm. are not allowed to make a mistake because we will penalize you for that forever. And so therefore they spend all of their time working around not making mistakes as opposed to making a mistake, learning from it and using it as a teaching tool mm-hmm. to help grow leaders around yeah. them, right? And so for me, I've always been the leader who's like, look, it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. Let me sit down and tell y'all why I think it didn't go well. Here's how I think maybe we could have approached it differently and here's how we're going to fix it, right? Because you're never going to hit a thousand, bad a thousand on everything. And I've always been in jobs where Literally, there's always something wrong, right? Right. If you're going to be involved with transformation, <laughs> you're invited into the problem. <laughs> yeah, right. There's always something wrong. If you are that person, like literally, there's always going to be something that doesn't go wrong. And so to me, the measure of like success is not, mm-hmm. okay, um, mm-hmm. did you make a mistake or not? It's like, how well did you recover? And did you build a stronger engine as a result of what you learned as a result yeah. of that? And so for me, generous leadership encompasses all mm-hmm. of those yep. things. At the core being the word care, right? Do you care for, do you take care of, uh, you know, I was, you know, leadership to me is fairly simple. You are there to set strategy and eliminate the roadblocks and Mm -hmm. and take the bullets for people. And that's a very generous action, right? Because it means you're putting yourself at risk um, on behalf of your team. But look, you want to build followership? That's the best Mm -hmm. way to do it. Uh, They will follow you anywhere. I mean, I remember a few years ago, the, the political environment was very divided and, you know, the team was very divided as well, but we had built such a culture where people were willing to let that go um, because they had built a level of trust with each other um, in the business. Now, look, probably on some other things, they may not have been able to work it out, but we were able to still navigate and help people be empathetic to understand why people would have a potential point of view, even if they couldn't come to agreement, right? 
And that's that's the measure of, you know, now look, it's gotten more divisive as, as years have gone on. But for most teams, you know, that's probably going to be the measure of how they work it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, there's a bunch of things that you said about like the talking about the mistakes or owning the what's not working that I think echoes what you said earlier about not seeking perfection, that, that sometimes we create cultures where we make perfection the goal, which we know we're never going to achieve. So there's something around like being real and transparent about that. And then early on, you talked about that high performance teams know how to deal with conflict. Like how well do they have healthy debate? And what I'm hearing you say from your previous team, one of the elements of success was that they could have differences of opinions and still respect each other. So it's, it is golden rule, right? I want you to respect me. I need to respect you, right? I want you to like thoughtfully challenge me and I want to be able to thoughtfully challenge you too. I think that's something else that we get through conflict is just, you know, differences of opinions are, are really necessary for us to grow. But sometimes people have an association with conflict that's really negative. So they try to avoid that. Yeah. But also, you know, empathy requires work, right? I totally agree. And so the way that you're describing generous leader, my notes here are empathetic, being authentic, right? Being yourself, truly yourself and that consistency of your authenticity, like, you know, how you are anywhere is how you are everywhere. That trustworthiness, like the follow through, the the willingness to share feedback, accept feedback. And then you talked about vulnerability and caring. Like you need to care. You need to be willing. And then that vulnerability of like, you're not always going to get it right. And that we can, you know, be imperfect together. Yeah. I mean, the vulnerability piece is so important, right? Because um, again, the, the, the more senior you get or the larger your title or whatever, like the less human people think you are. And when you can say, well, you know what? I'm actually not good at this or I struggle with this. Unfortunately, we live in a society that, um, uh, you know, some people like to use those things as negatives, which is really unfortunate, right? Um, You know, vulnerability is not a bad thing. It's actually just showing that you're human and showing your humanness. And literally every single person who walks the earth has something that is wrong with them or they are not good at or they are struggling with. They just may not see it. So... If you're not comfortable around people, you're going to have a problem being a people-centric leader. And so that, again, to the point of like exposing yourself and being in different places and getting to know different folks, that would be really great. Um, second is strategically really being thoughtful about what do you need on the team, right? And getting feedback on kind of what that needs to look like. Uh, and um, being open to who could potentially be on the team, right? And, and, and the final thing I would say is like hiring people who are smarter than you. Like... No, I, I, I still don't understand these organizations where like they just demand that the senior person be the most knowledgeable about absolutely everything that's going on. I'm like, it's like how are you ever going to grow a leader and give them a chance? You know, one of one of the um, organizations that, I, you know, two friends of mine work at and they've asked me to potentially do some work. I was like, well, how do you grow? Like, how do you think about high potential leaders? Do you invite them to come to the meetings to present the work that they've done, et cetera? They're like, oh, no. The culture here is that, you know, the senior person has got to be as knowledgeable as the person, you know, who did the work. And I was like, how do you even have time to have a life? Right. When do you see? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that redundant? 100%, right? You, you should certainly know a lot about it if you're trying to make a decision about it and manage it. But 
You, you also owe it to the organization to give people a chance to be in the room where it happens, right? Because if you're never in the room where it happens, how are you going to know what to do when you get there? You're just talking about decision-making. And I want to go back to the decision-making framework. Can you give me an example of what you mean by that? Like, what would it look like for an organization? Go ahead. It's really simple. Who is responsible for making uh, the decision and what level does it lie at? Right. I mean, like, here's a, here's a great example. One organization that I used to be a part of, nobody was allowed to make a decision except for the CEO. Right. I mean, all the way down to like, you know, you want to pay a, tw- you're managing a $9 billion P&L and you want to pay a $25,000 retention bonus to um, keep one of your quality people. And that, that approval has to go all the way to the CEO. At what point in time, you know, and yeah, I mean, I guess there's some bad actors who would, you know, just be abusing that from time to time, but they're not the right people. You don't, you don't need those people in jobs, right? And so um, how are you ever going to empower people if you're not giving them the opportunity to make decisions and have to think critically around what the decision needs to be? And so, you know, I'm a fan of like pushing decisions further down. Like, you know, when one of my clients right now, they're like, you know, one person was like, well, I didn't want to move forward without asking you. I was like, why? You are fully empowered to make this decision yourself. And so let me make it clear. For these kinds of things, you know, you we've already set a budget. We already have a plan. We're on track for the plan. Why are you asking me if you can spend money within the boundaries of what's going on there? Like, just go do your job. Right. <laughs> so for our listeners who are in a similar situation, be it they are the CEO who wants to approve everything, or they're a member of that team that... Th- experiences that bottleneck or experiences that that limited autonomy, like how would you approach that? What are some Well, I mean, if you're the CEO, you got to ask yourself why you're doing that. Yeah. Like, what, do you, what, what is it about you that makes you uncomfortable with trusting your organization? And what kind of mechanisms for controls do you not have in place that could give you more assurance that people can be trusted to go make those decisions? Or, or do you have the right people? I mean, like, mm-hmm. it's really like, you know, if you have people yeah. that you don't trust, and the infrastructure of the way you operate is no doesn't reinforce that, then you got to ask yourself, why are you doing that, right? The right mindset, the right process, or the right people. Yeah, right. If you find yourself in working in an organization like that, and you've brought it up to them and, and you know, said, hey, look, this, this is not just not working for me, but it's likely not working for many people across the organization. And they respond by saying, well, that's just the way it is. And you got to leave. <laughs> like, you know, you're not going to thrive in that place. For sure. And I think that's another way to segue into a conversation about being disruptive, right? Because if if you're in an organization that thinks they've got the secret sauce or they're going to just keep doing things the way that they've always done them, we know that that's like the path to extinction. But for you to be this, like, because you're a strategic disruptor, right? You're somebody who goes into organizations and really tries to encourage them to grow and innovate and change. So what are some of the ways that you do that? If you could share some of your superpowers with us, back to relationships. Starts with relationships, starts with relationships and, and understanding what drive, what motivates people and, and what success looks like to them and being able to shape the narrative of disruption and transformation in, in um, ways that actually people totally get what's in it for me. It's really that simple, right? Yeah, what do they care about? Are you speaking the language that they understand and that matters to them? If you're, you know, I remember um, uh, being in a real estate role and telling my team, like, we got to stop talking in real estate terms because the business people don't understand that. And they're like, what are you, what are you doing? 
you know, this cost per square foot, it is what it is. I was like, yeah, we have to figure out how to translate that into how this could actually drive more revenue for them or how the expense drag is actually impacting their P&L. And I guarantee you, if you start talking about it in those terms, and then you say you want to change the way you're doing things, uh, you will get their attention. <laughs> right? And they're like, oh, right? Because if you are actively investing in what success looks like for them, and therefore that allows them to see you consistently being authentic and doing those things, which builds trust. And that allows them to say, yes, you can move forward and do things. If you want to be innovative and um, disruptive, you have to be, you have to be a, a voracious learner, right? You have to be um, constantly always wanting to learn new things. It's, it's a muscle. It's hard if you haven't used that muscle. And if you're not, if you do the same thing over and over every day, in the same pattern, it's going to be really hard for you to be disruptive, right? And so you should be reading all that you can. I mean, like the latest thing, I, I belong to this like group chat of girlfriends. They're all um, senior executives. And, you know, I'm constantly the one beating the technology drum. Of, and lately, these last couple of weeks, I've been on them. Like, well, have you tried the chat GPT interface or have you used BARD? And they're like, oh, no, I don't really know. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you three use cases that I'm using it for. I just, you know, and they're not like complicated things, but I want you to like start getting used to it because the the technology is changing so, and the capability is changing so fast. And even if half the predictions of the jobs that will be impacted by AI come true, I don't think all of them will, but even if half of them did, that's a really substantial impact in changing the way we work. And so wouldn't you want to be on the front end of learning how to understand what those impacts could be? And by the way, we need really empathetic leaders to be a part and diverse leaders to be a part of the planning, development, and engagement with AI. Otherwise, there's whole groups of people who are going to get left out or excluded. And that's not cool, right? When you say that, Susan, what do you mean? Like in to what degree? Like on the on the design, on the technology, the implementation, all of that? All of the above. Yeah, just soup to nuts. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Needing to have... If your company decides that they're now going to start using AI tools and have a partnership with OpenAI, you better understand what that means Mm -hmm. for your organization. You want to be a part of helping drive what that looks like and refining the tools. What do you recommend that people do to stay on top of this? Like the the kinds of things that you're encouraging your friends. What what are some of... So I'll give you like... um, some really simple things that I've, I've, I've just asked ChatGPT to do, right? Um, and, and so I put them in the category of like things that could help my business and things that could help me like personally. Right. So I'll just talk about a couple of things of things that could help me. So, um, during COVID, and I'm sure there are a lot of women out there who assume the same thing. Like we became the chief procurement officer for all the food, all, all the meals, plus all the clean, like all, all the stuff. Plus we had our jobs. Right. And I was like, this is insane. It's inefficient. And so during COVID, actually, remember when everybody was like trying to um, uh, find Lysol and like, you know, toilet paper or whatever. I, I wrote a bot, a machine learning bot that would scan like Target and Costco and others. So as soon as it came, like it was just constantly scanning. So as soon as it became available in stock, I would get a ping. So it would put it in the basket and, and I get a ping to actually just buy it. So, you know, ChatGPT came out. Everybody's like, oh, ChatGPT, whatever. And so I was like, okay. Maybe ChatGPT could help me with my um, meal planning. So like every week I tell it, you know, hey, give me a series of meals that are high in protein, low in sodium, kid friendly, 
you know, just give it whatever, you know, that, you know, two people don't eat this and one person eats that for a total of six people, whatever. And it spits out these awesome menus. And then I'm like, give me, and if I don't like it, then I'm like, well, can you refine it by changing this and this and this? And then I'm like, give me um, the recipes and give me a grocery buying list of exactly what I need to replicate these menus. It takes two seconds to actually type it in and boom. So now I'm not sitting here going, at least, you know, and we don't follow it 100%, but it literally is like, it gives me ideas because, you know, you get into a rut, you don't, who wants to be trying to figure out like who wants to eat whatever, right? Um, and so now the next thing is, is I'm trying to get more efficient in my um, like procurement in the house. So using it to help me think about, well, how much toilet paper are we using? Like, I, like how much do I really need? I mean, you know, and the thing is, is like, the stakes are really low, but it's given me an opportunity to understand how this thing is working. And from a business perspective, I now have it um, write the straw man for all my thank you letters. So I'm like, yeah, right. Thank you letter to, you know, this is kind of business. These are three points in the conversation that we talked about. And um, here's what our follow-ups are. Boom, 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 boom. It'll spit out the letter. And all I got to do is edit it and then drop it in and send it. Okay. So I will put a link to OpenAI in the in the show notes and just encourage people to play around with it, right? Well, and now Google has Bard, right? Um, so that's another tool to play with. Mm-hmm. What's it called? But if you don't, if you don't, Bard, B-A-R-D. Yeah, if you don't play with it, right, and if you don't start trying to understand what it is, it's going to pass you by. And you'll be sitting there wondering, like, Mm because there's some professions that, like, you know, if I was, like, a paralegal or a legal researcher or something, I'd be a little concerned right now, right? And I'd be trying to figure out, well, how am I going to evolve my skills and what's Mm -hmm. the unique thing about me that the machine can't do, right? And the interesting thing is, is, look, and this is just my own opinion, as great as the machine might be, the machine will never get this people connection. It might try to get close, but I think it's going to be really hard for that because human beings are so complex. And so they're not, they change from time to time. They're not the same. And even the similarities among us, we're different. You know, like we're both women, but we're different, right? We, there's, there's just such a range of humanity that to be a generous leader, the way that you've described with that empathy and that authenticity, trustworthiness, that's, that's going to be very hard to duplicate, you know, through AI. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So be empathetic and learn AI. <laughs> or, yeah. or use it. Yep. People are still going to be there. Or use it. I mean, like, you know, nobody's expecting to be an MIT trained or Stanford trained, you know, computer scientist and engineer. But like, you know, you can learn how to use the tools. You know, do you want to be like, do you want to be like you know, this is my favorite idea. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, Every everybody in their family has the resident tech expert, right? That helps the grandparents and everybody else, right? Like, okay, well, everybody can actually do a little bit of that. You don't, you can give up your, quit that job and like, you know, outsource that to some of these new tools that can help people. Well, thank you, Susan. You're the first person that's ever encouraged me to do that. So I'm taking your advice and I'll follow up with you about my mistakes. Yes, you can get your use cases and you can let me know like how it goes. Think about like what what are the things that are driving you crazy that you, you know, you know, if you just had some help with blah, what would that be? And see if there's a way to use the technology to help improve yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So here's a couple of takeaway tips from our conversation, because I always try to think about how 
these rich, inspiring conversation can translate to any one of our lives. So you've given us a couple nuggets. One, I'm just going to repeat the components of an empathetic slash generous leader. Authenticity, trustworthy, vulnerable, caring. Then you talked about the golden rule, how we want to treat people the way they want to be treated. And then stretch yourself for growth. You know, how are you stretching yourself? So like after this, you know, me stretching myself with my comfort and experience with AI. And then you talked about asking for feedback. That's a key thing here is like, how how can we create a two-way conversation so that we're always growing and learning? And then when you were talking about the right mindset, the right process, the right people, like what are some of the check boxes that we should think about for ourselves? Like, do I have the right mindset? Am I surrounding myself with the right people and do I have the right process set up? Anything else you want to add to that, Susan? Yeah. And the only, the only thing that I would just uh, double click on is the feedback is really a subset of asking for help. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, get in your mind that you, you don't have to be the expert at everything. It's okay to go to experts and ask them for help to help you navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, you will do two things. One, stop racking your brain, trying to figure it out yourself. And number two, you'll get some much needed perspective and things that you may not know anything about or see. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you for investing time with us and sharing your gifts. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.